3: Phil Mackey is pretty irreplaceable for us. He does a lot of things that go unnoticed. Judd Zolgad. Such
1: a good dude. I have the utmost respect for him.
3: Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Tickles forced the
1: turnover.
3: Teague
4: in transition feeds Wiggins. And Jimmy Butler follows the play for the stuff. This is what we thought they would look like eventually. And it's funny that I think it was Jeff Teague we had. Uh, we're at Target Center, by the way. We're talking a lot of Vikings today, but also uh, paying some respect to the Timberwolves, who have beat their last three opponents by 15 points or more, including Russell Westbrook and LeBron James-led teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jamal Crawford's going to join us here very shortly. He's just downstairs talking to media after uh, the morning shoot-around. Todd Furman will help us with our NFL picks and Viking Saints a little bit later on this hour. But um, I was uh, telling you this off the air. The Timberwolves are the anti-NBA. Like, they are, if you look around the NBA right now, historic three-point shooting. More takes, more makes than any time in NBA history across the league. Houston. Houston, Golden State, exactly. Even some of the the middling teams are taking more three-pointers and Mm -hmm. making more Mm -hmm. three-pointers. The elimination of the mid-range game altogether. Houston is another example where they're just... They're only taking threes and point blank shots. Yep. Um, rest is is bigger now than it's ever been before, where teams are monitoring the science of workload mm-hmm. and road trips and you know trying not to go over a certain number of days in a row with practices or games, right? Yet the Timberwolves, by contrast. Not that they ignore rest altogether, but they play their starters more than any other team in the NBA. They're very old school in a lot of ways. They're the anti-current NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 actually take fewer three pointers than all but like two or three teams in the league, and they've got a bunch of mid-range crazed players who are very good at it. They've got and Jamal Crawford's there's a bunch of fans are stopping <laughs> him outside the studio. He's here. a good guy, man. But they've got like Butler, Wiggins, Jamal, who's going to come in here right now, yep, and also Gorgie. These are these are great mid-range players. So. I want to run this by Jamal. We're on the air with Jamal Crawford here you know from Target like Center. What's going on? No, this oh, is my yeah. theory. This is what's awesome. If you want the headphones, you can take them. Nah, you can hear us fine. But, all right. Uh, but yeah, just pull that microphone okay. in. So well, thanks for coming in. By the way, appreciate for it. Me. Appreciate it. So what? What I love about you guys is the Timberwolves are winning in sort of an anti-current NBA way, where like everyone, you know, the, the if you look, we talked about this last time you were up here. The Rockets don't take mid-range shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and teams are teams are going over the top, resting starters and not letting... Them. Right. You guys play starters more than any other team. You got you, There's four players on the roster that are really good for mid-range or that take a lot of mid-range shots, and it's working well. You guys are sitting 10-plus games over 500. So it's kind of fun to see this other way of winning in the NBA that goes against what the Rockets and some of these other teams are
5: doing. Yeah, I think there's more than one way to skin a cat. And if you look at you know, some of the best players ever, whether it's Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, these guys are mid-range guys. And especially now... The the thing of shooting threes or libs, just like you want to do it, the defense knows that's what you want to do as well. So, in basketball, you have to take what's there. And for us, the mid range is there. We have very capable shooters, guys who can knock it down. And I think has helped our team.
1: How much uh, time too did, did this transition take? Because it's lots of new players, Jamal. Yeah. But it's also based, I think, around a defensive philosophy. So Tibbs was trying to get you guys to play a certain way, and and it it revolved around defense. How much longer did that probably take? Because it's complex. I I mean, if he puts in just an offensive system, that takes some time. But I think the adapting probably goes quicker. Did the defensive component here cause it to take a bit more time to gel?
5: Definitely, because if you think about it, Tibbs was kind of the, the architect of some of the great defenses ever. You look at the Boston 08 team. You look at teams like that. So if you go to a team they're known for their defensive philosophy, uh, that's one thing, but he's like the architect, so he sees everything we're doing wrong, you know. And it takes time. I think trust is built on defense. A guy gets beat, uh, somebody has to cover for him. He has to trust somebody covers for him, and then helping the helper. It's all tied together. So mm-hmm. I think uh, when the trust start coming and we start learning each other more, the defense carried as well, and we we get the message now. If we make a mistake, we know exactly what we did wrong. Like we know exactly where we're supposed to be. We know exactly how we're supposed to help, and and I think that's part of of our growth, and you know, it's been a good thing.
4: What happened in that Cavs game? My God. I mean they came in, packed arena, yeah. and you think, you know, it's gonna be probably a close game back and forth. You ambushed the Cleveland Cavs. <laughs> and uh and anytime LeBron James is sitting in the fourth quarter because they're down by too many points, that's usually that was incredible. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, take us through that game from a player standpoint.
5: From a player standpoint, you could tell, you know, we all say it's just one of eighty two or whatever, and that's true, but there are also times when the energy just feels a little bit different, and it definitely felt different. Uh the whole city you can kind of feel was really Excited about that one and then coming in we were just ready, you know, and for us It's about what we're doing. We understand other teams go through highs and lows and you know The Cavs have been on a long journey They're going through another journey getting Isaiah back and all that but for us It's about what we're doing and how we're improving and if we're building good habits, uh, you know Second half of the season. I think that was on display that game. It really was we we start playing faster You know we played with a lot of energy we kind of really, really got the fans involved. Not that they needed it, but they were there as well already, ready to go, and they needed any reason to cheer. I mean, and, and Tyler Jones. I mean, Tyus Jones. Yeah, yeah was, did, was Tyler was really that. good that night. He was, he was. He was. He's been really good. He's he's one of the most underrated players out there. He really is. And. He's a guy that plays with no agenda. He plays just to win, and it's fun to play with guys like that.
1: Yeah. Cat, uh, what, what has changed for, for him defensively? Because he's gone from being, I think, th- there was a frustration there. Yeah. Because he's incredibly talented. Yes. But he's gone from the frustration of why isn't he doing this to now playing well. Is, is, that, uh, is that just something that took time, or, or is it an application of his talents now?
5: I think it's a combination of both. I really do. I think uh, it's weird because you can't rush, you know, you can't rush guys. They kind of You kind of want them to go at your speed, but guys go at their own speed. You know, and Cat, and it may take them a little while to figure it out. Maybe having veteran guys to hammer it home along with Tibbs' message, obviously Tibbs laid the foundation with it. But, and, you know, and, and it's just amazing to see what he's done, the effect he can have on the defense end. When he gets blocks or is in the right position or gets rebounds and outlets it quick, we become a faster team. When we become a faster team, we use our athleticism, we use our athleticism, we get easier points. So mm-hmm. they all correlate. And like I say, I hate to keep saying it, but it's all tied together. I'm excited.
4: Jamal Crawford's hanging out with us here. Uh, Mackie and Judd live at Target Center. We'll get to our NFL picks in about 20 minutes from now. But it's going to be fun because you guys have a bunch of games against the Warriors and against the Rockets and teams yeah. that are just above you in the standings. Is there, I said this about the team last year before mm-hmm. you got here, before Jimmy Butler got here. There's a, With Carl Anthony Towns and with some of the other pieces, there feels to be a little almost Warriors kryptonite. Not that you're going to for sure like beat them in the second tomorrow, but that, okay... You're They're not going to go just small lineup against you. you they want to go small. Okay, you guys can go small. Let's put let's put Jamal on the court with Andrew Wiggins and with Jimmy Butler. Do you feel like there's a there might be a little with your defense and with veterans and with Carl Anthony Towns, a freakish seven footer? that there might be a little kryptonite for those top teams in the in the Western Conference? We
5: hope so. I mean, we won't really know until we match up against them repeatedly and, and see where we're at. But for them, obviously, they're the defending champs. You know, they've been there. They've been to the mountaintop three years in a row and won two of them. So we have a ways to go. But for us, I think it's fun just to see on this journey, you know, how we match up with certain teams, how things kind of look, you know. And for us... We still feel like there's a few levels we could still go up to. This was one jump we made. Now we've got to be consistent here and then get ready to go to the next jump. And for us, it's not about being too high or too low. Like we know it's a process, and we just have to continue to to stay focused and have tunnel vision.
1: Give me something um that the fans don't don't think about or see that has changed drastically. I mean, what when when you watch tape or the, the game from two months back, what do you see now that that we don't that that you say, okay, that's being done right and two months ago it wasn't.
5: The trust, the trust on defense, especially like when a guy makes a mistake, he's like, "Oh, you know what? I was supposed to be there. That's my fault." And a fan would be like, "Oh, your man scored, but our defense isn't designed like that. It's it's five garden everybody. You know what I mean? So if you're not in the right position, mm-hmm. that's where you mess up. Because then that means somebody else." Is not going to be in the right position because we're all triggered by one another. I know if if uh, Tyus is denying, I have to be two passes away and cover him if he gets beat back door, and then somebody better cover me because I'm covering Tyus. So that growth right there is is one of the big things I've seen, especially on defense. And then area.
4: thinking about that in the middle of a game where there's you know dozens and dozens of possessions, and then fatigue setting in, and you can see how the third guy in a chain of defensive switches would maybe space out for two seconds yeah. and then that leads to an open layup or something. Yeah, right?
5: definitely. And or open shot and, and at this level guys are just too good. You know, they make open shots and you don't want to be the guy on tape saying, you know what, I know I was supposed to be in that position. I wasn't there. So we're just playing for each other. Yeah. Um
4: I, I so I love when you you had a game like maybe two or three weeks ago, was it against Portland where you you just went unconscious for like oh, yeah. a quarter and a half or whatever <laughs> it was. And that's one of the most fun things about watching you play the last, you know, fifteen years. You have these moments where just everyone clear out. Jamal Crawford's gonna make the next ten shots. Have you ever gotten yelled at by coaches for like your your tunnel vision or yeah? I think or in the beginning, or...
5: I think in the beginning, I really do. But you know, once you kind of establish yourself or establish this is what you do, uh, your coach kind of accepts it. You know, and, and for me, it's not like playing with an agenda, and usually it works out in our favor. You know, and it's not just about that one guy. But I can get hot, I can get cold, but my well, like demeanor an doesn't against change. A yeah.
4: defender or something.
5: Yeah, yeah, like no the agenda as far as I'm just looking for my own shot. Like, yeah. no, I'm trying to kickstart us to go at, at that Portland game in particular. I think we were down nine or eleven mm-hmm. to start yeah, the fourth are. quarter. You know, so I'm like, I got to give us something to get some. Some you guys couldn't hear the you guys could hear the clap, but you couldn't see the clap. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm yeah. trying to get us something to get us going just to get us out the rut.
1: Share if you can. What what goes what starts to go through, through your mind when you get that hot? So when you go on a run yeah. where you basically say just give, give me the ball. What's going through your head at that point?
5: Just stay in attack mode. Just stay in attack mode. And, and I'm just looking for space at that point. I'm just looking for space. It doesn't matter if it's an inch. It doesn't matter if it's a foot. I feel like it's going in. I remember that game in particular. I got the ball, I think, thrown out to me almost by half court. And I took one dribble. I was like, I'm in range. Let it go. And then it went in. Yeah. But I had the confidence that it was going in before it even went in. So at that point, once you feel it, it's like, hey. And our team is really good. I'll say that as well. Not just me. If Jimmy's going, if Cat's going, uh, we've gotten better. If Wiggs is going... We have guys that can carry us for stretches, just to get everybody back on track, and then we go from there.
4: We need to get every opposing team a Cavs jersey, so Andrew Wiggins could like every time he sees the Cavs. He almost booked thirty, right? He's yeah, he'll, he'll get like it's like <laughs> it's like right away shooting slump gone. You know, twenty five points yeah. easily it every single time. Yeah. What? Uh, t- tell us about him. I, we've seen more activity. It looks like just sort of with our amateur eyes that all right, he's tipping more passes on defense. Yeah. Um, he had a nine rebound game. A few. I've my my criticism of him is. You don't have to always settle for 20-footers. You can get any shot you want on the court. You can get eight rebounds if you want. It's it's just sort of up to you to be more assertive. That's been my criticism of him for the
5: last two years. What do you see with Andrew Wiggins? With, with Wiggins, I think it's more like I'm more impressed with now with the pick and rolls. Like He can play pick and roll, and he sees the corner pass, the swing, swing, when the defense is helping in and they're rotating a little bit. He's making the right reads. I think it's tough because oh, here we are. We're a really good team we're asking everybody to kind of sacrifice for the betterment of the team. And then from that point, okay, if we tell you to sacrifice from what you do best, how else can you help the team? And that's what he's kind of going through. He's 22 years old, right? So he's getting better and better at it. Like you say, he's getting deflections. He's getting rebounds. He's playing defense. Like he's doing a little bit of everything. And that's not a knock on him at all for his numbers being down or Jimmy. Like Jimmy's numbers are down from where they were last year. Cats is down, mines is down. I think everybody's is down with the exception of, Taj's, maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but that's good. Taj's.
4: Because, and part of it's like Taj's minutes are up too. He's just gonna get more rebounds because he's yeah, out there. Yeah, and Taj knows how it's feeling.
5: He fills in all the gaps for us. But that's good because it shows we're all buying in the team, and that's what it's about.
1: Taj has been fantastic too. I oh, know he's all right. He's all right consistently. Rock. Butler and guys like Taj, I you knew Butler was good, mm-hmm. but until you saw him on a game by game basis, yeah. you don't appreciate because yeah. he does he does a lot of work that doesn't look like fun. Yeah. Like he is effective but it's not just a scoring thing no no and and taj and butler when you watch them consistently you're like wow i knew that they were good but i didn't un- understand why they were
5: this good exactly and jimmy with if you're looking at just his scoring the scoring you miss the whole picture yeah. like he's he does so many subtle things like being in the right spot consistently i missed this one but i'm sprinting back to get make sure they don't get a layup consistently every single time like he's almost like a self i want to say self made but he's almost like a superstar who who didn't go the route of, I'm going to score 30 points, and you guys will know He worked right. his yeah. butt
1: off to be a superstar. Yeah, exactly. He's still trying to, to
5: prove himself like right. he's in his second year. Exactly. The way he plays is almost like I'm a rookie with, i got to be in the right spot. i got to do the right thing on defense. i got to be responsible on offense, and then that's what makes him great.
1: How much do do you think young guys get to, uh, Jamal, the the art of sacrificing as well, though? Because it's I tough. think guys see scoring numbers and it's rebounds tough. and say stats, it's stats, hard. stats. And then you, you get guys like yourself and Butler who say, no, no, no. It's about defense. It's, it's, it's about, about things winning. that aren't fun. Exactly. How much do you think it, that there's an art uh, to translating that to young players to say, if you're going to win, it's going to take a lot of work that you probably don't enjoy all the time.
5: Right, and it's going to take a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. Because once you start doing things... You know, in this social media era everything is, okay, I'm the first to do this, I'm the youngest to do this or this or that, whatever it might be. So you have to kinda of say, I'm gonna sacrifice a lot of that for, for winning because my team doesn't need me to do that. You know, we need everybody to kinda of chip in and that's what it's about. And that's a tough message to get across. So I think some guys get it maybe in the middle of their career, uh, some guys get it early, very rare, but some guys get it early and then some guys are like, you know what? It's just what it is, so I have to make do. Wolves and Knicks tonight, one of your old teams. Jamal Crawford, great stuff, man. Thanks for coming in. We
4: appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Jamal. We'll do it again soon. Mackie and Judd from Target Center. NFL picks coming up in about 10 or 15
3: minutes. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Bring it on! This is 1500 ESPN.
4: We're live at Target Center. Wolves and Vikings heavy on the show today. Thank you to Jamal Crawford. He's just, I know... Sometimes you see guys on TV, you see athletes, and now you're, you're there's all kinds of stories about Hollywood stars that you thought Louis CK seems like a great <laughs> guy, right? Oh, that Kevin Spacey and nah. um, you know, you never know someone until you really know someone, but Jamal Crawford from what we know, and meeting him and talking to him in person is just a genuinely awesome guy. Very giving of his time. He's been on with us about three times now, and every time he's just full of insight. He's he's kind
1: of an open book. I like his odds of uh, of replacing somebody on TNT. Oh, on that God. studio show. But I'm not. But I'm saying I don't think he goes to being like a, a, a B game guy. Or he goes to an ESPN round. I think he is TNT yeah. inside the NBA. Replaces somebody. I mean, he might. He's thirty seven
4: ish. He might play for another three years, and he's still putting up very productive offensive numbers. Fewer minutes for I, him this year. I
1: but. just love the fact that every time he comes on, you get insight about stuff that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't get the cliches. You don't get the assumptions. He tell he tells you things, and you're like, oh wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. One thing he said, I, I
4: do think we've gone a little overboard in uh, the whole, like, inefficient mid-range shot thing in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of come back around to where, all right, everyone knows that the most efficient shots traditionally are three-pointers and then specifically corner three-pointers are, are statistically easier to make and then, you know, point-blank shots within three feet. So Jamal was saying, hey, defenses are are defending those efficient areas much better now than they were before. And so it kind of leaves it open where you can get you can get more open mid-range looks. Now, he shoots a pretty high percentage, at least an acceptable percentage from those ranges, Jimmy Butler enough. I would still argue that in Andrew Wiggins, even though he's been better the last week or two, right? he has to pump the brakes on that shot until he gets much better at it and use your athleticism to get to the rim, get to the free throw line, and those type of things. But um, yeah, the, the way this team looks now compared to a month or two months ago, mm-hmm. It's sort of as expected. It might take a new collection two or three months to gel. Especially on defense. But they just beat the, they were up by 40 points on the bleeping calves a week ago.
1: Mm -hmm. That's amazing. They, I still think the toughest thing is probably transitioning to playing that defensive system, which is intricate and takes lots of work. I also think it probably just takes some time. Because don't don't you think that guys like Towns come into this league and they're really, really good at what they do, but they're used to stuffing the stats. They're used to scoring points, getting rebounds. Like and then there's all of this all of these jobs that you are required to do or asked to do on the court that start that just aren't fun. And I think conveying I think for the veterans to convey that, hey, if we're gonna win games consistently, you're gonna have to do a ton of stuff that you don't like. I think that takes time, especially now when, when guys are so used to being praised for the greatness. Like, fan, There are probably a handful of things per game that we don't get at all as fans that are instrumental to actually being successful well, in a game.
4: Well, here's one thing, and this is where fatigue does matter. For anyone who says, oh, these guys are all 22, you know, even though Jimmy Butler's only 29 he's, or 28, fatigue doesn't matter. And Jimmy Butler's going to say, bring on the minutes, fatigue doesn't matter. Jamal Crawford was explaining some of the defensive intricacies of of you know team defense and switching and all right. If if uh the offense is running a pick and roll and the point guard gets by Jeff Teague, which happens quite frequently, and he gets into the paint, okay, now someone else has it might be the third guy switching, right? Okay, now one right. guy has to come in the paint. Okay, now you now you have to go help the helpers uh spots, right? Mm-hmm. So now, take take this into consideration. You've played 37 minutes. You've been on the court for, let's say, six straight minutes of the fourth quarter. Itage Gibson. It's up and down, and you're the third guy yeah. to have to rotate or switch, and that's maybe the basket that determines the outcome. And you're second late. And it's just like you're tired. So those things do matter, and that's going to be something to watch for the Timberwolves down the stretch. But, yeah, Knicks tonight. Porzingis, another fun superstar. Mm -hmm. It's fun watching Carl Anthony Towns evolve against these guys. So I think when he was going up against DeMarcus Cousins and also Anthony Davis, now they're together on the same team for the last couple years. He was psyched out, and he got owned a couple times his first couple years in the league. You watch him and his evolution the last time they played the Pelicans, just whatever, whenever that was, a week ago. Mm -hmm. And he was fearless. He dominated. That's the Jimmy Butler effect. It's say, just getting it's the older Butler in factor. the league. It's the Butler factor, and he was blocking shots and stuff. Like it's the evolution has been fun to watch.
1: Butler has the weird ability, and it, it's it's a gift. He has the ability to um, have the respect of, of his peers, but he doesn't care about them. If that makes sense, like guys like him, he likes guys, but he has no issue with going out out there and basically being, I don't care. Yeah. He's fun. Jamal's...
4: We just got a tweet from Joseph. We're getting some good feedback. My God, how great is Jamal Crawford to listen to? So fun to hear a pro athlete who totally gets it. Thanks for having him on. It's funny because we we kind of see things when we're at the Target Center that the audience can't see, obviously. And uh, as we're, we opened the segment, whatever, 30 minutes ago, Jamal was coming up the steps, like, 50 feet away from us, and there was a group of fans outside. So... He's got a media obligation. He's, you know, he's supposed to be on the air over here, yep. and there's fans in the Skyway. And a lot of guys would do maybe two things. Hey, I, Sorry, I ignore the fans and get to the obligation. And then maybe even mail in the obligation, the media obligation. Oh, sure they would, yeah. <laughs> not only did he clearly not mail in the interview. He's amazing, and he's engaged, and he comes right in, and he picks up on what we're talking about, and he gets right into it, and he's, and he's present, and, and he's that way after two decades in the league. He stopped for like a minute, and shook hands with the fans, and I think he took a picture before he walked over here. He did. He's just—that's how he is. That's a behind-the-scenes thing. He didn't. There was no cameras. TNT, on TNT baby. That's how he is. He's TNT yeah. bound. Yep. Let's come back and get back into uh, NFL mode here. Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast helps us every week with our pros or Joe's picks. We're going an extra point where we reset the uh, the slate for us for the for the standings. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do an extra point for these divisional-round games, and we'll pick that Viking Saints game when we come back. Mackey and Judd from Target Center.
3: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I am a fan. I can look at them all day long and die laughing. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Putting fake money where their big mouths are.
5: Money talks in the game that I pick it's a winner. What I know could get you rich because all I pick is winners on itself.
3: Mackie and Judd are picking games for this weekend against the spread. Are they pros or Joes? Let's find out. Yes, let's find
4: out. Indeed. Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast. Mackie and Judd, we are live at Target Center today. Wolves and Knicks tonight. Uh, they've sold out uh, the last, what, four games? I believe yep, maybe this five? Would be sell out five. Something like that, so we'll see. But Big weekend of football, and Todd, the football gods are going to make us wait in Vikingsville until the very last game on Sunday, and maybe the most coin-flippy game. Um, before we dive into our picks here, what in, in what order are you looking
0: forward to watching these games? Uh, I think the Falcons-Eagles game for me kind of has the most intrigue, trying to see exactly what Doug Peterson can do to scheme for the absence of Carson Wentz and how this defense will play against the suddenly resurgent Atlanta Falcons, at least if you believe most media folk. Uh, then the Viking Saints for me, second uh, on that list. Uh, I want to see how Case Keenum fares in his playoff debut against the Saints team getting by as much on reputation uh, as anything else because they're starting to revert defensively. Jag Steelers, probably the third most intriguing game, and in the game I could care less if I watch much of Titans and Patriots on Saturday night. Yeah,
4: that's good. So let, All right, let's get into the games here, and we can, we can expand on them here with Todd. Ah, uh, the regular season, Judd solidified a victory. All of us finished five hundred or above. Judd was like twenty-five games above five hundred. I finished about nineteen games above, and uh, and Dave was right around five hundred because he went he went against what would be optimal yeah. strategy just to catch Judd. So we're not going to hold that against Dave. But so Judd has avoided punishment at the state fair, and now we reset for the playoffs, and we assign two points to the divisional round. Let's start with Atlanta three-point favorites. Over home Philadelphia with Nick Foles at the helm. Judd, Phil, Dave will be the order of picks.
1: All right, so last week, Falcons-Rams. Oh, two and two for all of us last week, by the way. Two and two for all of us. So last week, Falcons-Rams, my gut told me, go with the Falcons. My head said, go with the Rams. I went with my head. I regret it. I have the same dilemma this week. I feel like in this game the Eagles are being written off far too easily by us. Atlanta is playing well, so do I now reverse course? No, I'm not going to. I'm going to make the same mistake again, partially because I just can't put my faith in Nick Foles and the Falcons' defense is playing well. So I am going to go with the Falcons, despite the fact they're giving points on the road.
4: Yeah. So you know what? This was actually, and this is where I mean, I'm just I'm probably going to be wrong on this, but this was the first game I thought, yep, I know I'm I'm picking Philadelphia. And I I just think there's so much public momentum anti-Philadelphia because of the way they looked in Week 17 and pro-Atlanta based on the way they looked in Round 1 of the playoffs that it's just become a foregone conclusion Atlanta's going to roll here. I'm going to take the point in the home team here, Dave.
2: I am completely with you. I think the public generally sees this number, uh, Atlanta, with a three-point advantage and says, well, only three? They're gonna beat him by twelve. So yeah,
0: I'm with you. Philly at home giving or getting the points. I like that. Dave, I think the 12-point margin of victory is a little bit unorthodox in football terms, but I like the conviction there <laughs> as far as the way the public's approaching it. You guys are exactly right, though, on some of the mentality here. This is the optimal time to buy low on Eagle stock, given the way they kind of limp to the finish with Nick Foles at the helm, whereas all of a sudden, the Atlanta Falcons are the talk of the town. But you look at what Atlanta's had to do going back to early November. They've already been in playoff mode for quite some time, and you do have to wonder when they're ultimately going to hit the wall. This will be their third game on the road in four weeks, having traveled to the opposite coast Philadelphia sitting at home listening to everyone talk about how they have no chance this that and the other look for the defense to rise up to the challenge here this is a Falcons offense it still hasn't been efficient in the red zone only averaged 4.6 yards per play And last Saturday's game might have gone very differently had it not been for some Rams miscues on special teams. Professional money will be on the Eagles. I think this number comes off the field goal and takes down towards 2.5. All
4: right, this is the game that Todd's the most fired up about. He's going to watch. He's not even going to take a bathroom break. New England, a
1: a 13.5-point favorite over Tennessee in a damn playoff game. Judd? Give me the Patriots. It's that simple. Patriots at home. Uh, they, they've got the, the adversity of the ESPN story from last week of Belichick and Brady not getting along, and maybe uh, Kraft also. So with all of that, I believe that the Patriots, through adversity, only grow stronger, not weaker. I'm taking the Patriots. So or, I, I think a couple things here.
4: Ordinarily, 13 and a half, I'm automatically I'm going to take the points, backdoor cover and play. We're talking playoff teams here. And then secondly, my guess is there's not a lot of people even betting this game who are sharps, and Todd can expand on that. But I will take New England as well, uh, with all of the buildup, and and they're they're going to go us against the world in the short term. I don't know if it's going to work any more long term. No one we'll does see. it better. But the the us against the world short term thing is going to be in play here, so I will swallow the 13 and a half,
2: Dave. That's too much for me. It's too much. Uh, they, they could win by forty is if that number's okay with Todd. Um, but I think it I think it'll be a tighter game. I don't know why, but I think Tennessee probably doesn't win the game, but I think they at least keep it somewhat interesting.
0: Uh, Dave, you're on the side of professional money, albeit it's uh, money that I don't necessarily agree with. Is this number open thirteen and a half? I think it's going to tick to 13, maybe even a little bit lower. The general school of thought is when you get teams in the postseason that a dog catching this many uh, that at least has some capabilities offensively, you'll be able to keep it close. But we've seen this before with the Patriots, like you guys mentioned, the us against the world mentality, the approach that this is their time to shine and kind of put all the distractions on the back burner. The Patriots are ten and one against the spread. Their last ten games, uh, last eleven times, they've been favored by ten or more. Thirty-three and fifteen against the number of their last forty-eight overall. Eighteen and six against the spread. Their last 24 at home. And guess what? If the Titans get down 21-3 to this week, uh, they're not going to be battling back even to cover the number. So I would agree that I think the Patriots roll, but professional money have a very different mindset.
4: All right, now we get into the, now we get into the nitty-gritty defenses, the number one and number two defenses in the NFL. We'll start with this one. Pittsburgh, seven points at home over Jacksonville.
1: October 8th in Pittsburgh, Jacksonville uh, goes in and beats the Steelers 30-9, to 9, and Big Ben is absolutely terrible, and I believe it was after that game he was asked about being terrible, and he said, I might be just about done. And all of that leads me down this path. After seeing the Jaguars, as good as that defense is, play the Bills last week, a touchdown. I'm tempted to take Jacksonville, but I'm not going to. I think Pittsburgh is going to be. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to, to win, win this game, and I think they're going to win it by more th- than we expect, partially based on the fact that Bortles is terrible, and Pittsburgh is going to come out uh, flying in this game because of the fact that the Jaguars uh, kicked their butts at home last time.
4: So Judd's on Pittsburgh. I'm going to take
1: Jacksonville
4: in this one. Too many points for me, considering what happened the first time these two teams met. I don't expect a duplicate of that game. I don't think big Ben's going to throw a million interceptions, but uh, here's another factor to consider. Everyone has been crapping on Blake Bortles all week long. All right. Again, I, I don't think think he's going to morph into Tom Brady overnight. I don't think he's going to be their starting quarterback next year, but he is a human being and a professional with an ego. Who's been listening to this all week long I think Bortles finds a way to make this a game and keep up with the Jaguars' defense to some degree. I'll take Jacksonville to keep it close.
2: I expect Pittsburgh to win, but not by seven points. Uh, Main reason, if there's been one basic constant throughout the season, has been Pittsburgh playing to the level of their opponents, playing down to their opponents. They're not going to blow anybody
0: out. Uh, Mackie, not only is Blake Bortles a professional, he's a professional that compared himself to LeBron James this week. So <laughs> don't forget that. Yeah. He's delusional, he's factored, Todd. When you factor into the handicapping. Um, you look at Pittsburgh, this is a team 2-6 and six against the spread since November. So it definitely speaks to them playing down to their competition and the market kind of overvaluing them some. You guys referenced the first meeting between these two teams. Since 2012, there have been 13 teams to face one another in the playoffs after one team lost the previous meeting by 20-plus points.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Those teams, 1-12 straight up in the postseason. The only time that didn't happen, 2014, the Ravens avenged a 20-point loss to the Steelers, which, of course, was their third meeting. You look at Jacksonville's offense, and they've really struggled to move the football on the ground, putting a lot more pressure on Bortles. You'd have to think Levy and Bell factors prominently into the offense. But I don't think Pittsburgh just goes out there in frigid temperatures and runs up the score on the Jags. Would not be shocked in the least given professional money coming in on the jags if pittsburgh wins but it's jacksonville that gets to the window plus the point interesting
4: all right and now Here the, we go. the main event especially in these parts i think this is objectively for me the best game just because of you got a hall of fame quarterback against a hall of fame caliber defensive mind in a mike zimmer um, you got you've got a lot of other components the saints and the vikings vikings are 5 point favorites as of yesterday Uh, The number that we grabbed, I think that opened, uh, and Todd can expand that, I think it
1: opened at like two and a half or three with five-point favorites over New Orleans, Judd. I've been saying all week long that I expect a Vikings victory, and I've been saying all week long that I expect that victory only to be by two or three points, and so I am going to take the Saints. I think the Vikings win this game, Uh, but if I am correct, five points is a little bit too much. So this is one of those where the
4: number made me, my first instinct was, I mean, this feels like kind of a coin flip-ish game, and that's a lot of points to to be giving to a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, even though they haven't been quite the same team on the road. But that number almost makes me think it's too obvious to pick Drew Brees and to to take the five. I'm going to go Vikings by a touchdown in this game. Vikings, not handily necessarily, but the Vikings by... Seven to, to nine points in a game that feels closer than maybe that final score. I'll take the Vikings, Dave.
2: I'm going to be in lockstep with you again here. The Saints are paper tigers. They don't beat good teams, and the Vikings are a good team that can, with a defense that can make you look
0: bad. Wow. This game, very real. Professional money on the Vikings. Wow. As you that number opened substantially lower. Three and a half, more or less, the consensus there. Uh, actually, betonline.ag hung a field goal, and that price vanished from the market almost instantaneously. When you look at the quarterback matchup here, this is what the public is gravitating towards, with about 65% of the tickets coming in on the Saints. Drew Brees, 12 career playoff starts. Case Keenum, of course, making his debut. The last quarterback without a playoff start to beat a quarterback that had 10-plus playoff starts under his belt going into a matchup. Way back in 2011, when Tim Tebow knocked off Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card round. So, Case, uh, going to need a little bit of help there. Fortunately, his supporting cast, arguably the best in the entire league, not only defensively, but on the offensive side, Xavier Rose should be able to neutralize Michael Thomas. And you'd have to think the Saints' run defense that's really regressed over the last month going to be put under a test. The other factor here. I don't really believe that oddsmakers understand how valuable this home field advantage is for the Vikings. We typically make a three-and-a-half to four-point adjustment. The market only hangs about two-and-a-half to three, so you get a little bit of wiggle room there. And we've talked about it all year, guys. For whatever reason, oddsmakers don't respond to the Vikings all that well. This team finished the season on a 9-1-1 one, one against the spread run, 34-18 wow. and 18 against the spread their last 48 overall. Seventy percent success rate. The last thirty times they've been favored, nineteen and five against the spread in their last twenty-four at home. So they are one of the one of the best kept secrets in the sports gambling world, uh, and I think they cash again this weekend if they can force a short field or two and minimize their mistakes on offense. So Todd, you're sort of like you're
4: like our sports weatherman. You know, you're able to you're very objective. Here are the numbers, and here's the data. Here's how likely it is to rain on your team. How? Are, are, we, uh, are, we, are we approaching Vikings Super Bowl championship watch or warning? Like, we're, As the sports weatherman here, how would you classify uh, our Vikings chances?
0: I definitely think you have to like your Vikings chances because there's obviously a couple scenarios that can play out, assuming that they get through the Saints this weekend. You go up to Philadelphia and take on an undermanned Eagles team that won't have two weeks to prepare uh, for arguably the best defense in the entire league without a left tackle and a quarterback that can't escape pressure or you get the luxury of having the Falcons come into your own building and you'd have to like your odds there. Vikings, overwhelming favorites to get out of the NFC, uh, and I think it's not necessarily time to start booking those hotel reservations so you guys can get out of the houses and stay closer to the stadium. Uh, the Vikings, very real threat to make the Super Bowl, putting oddsmakers uh, in quite a quandary, and a pretty impressive accomplishment for a team that was 50-1 to 1 to hoist the Lombardi Trophy before the season started.
1: Too much pressure, Furman. You're applying you're far too much pressure on this poor town and his fan base.
0: Uh, you know what? You guys need something to try and gravitate towards. Uh, I don't think you, Darvish, potentially signing with the Twins will be what puts them over the top to win the World Series. And we do have to temper a little bit of that Timberwolves enthusiasm. They're not going to be NBA champions this year. I know they're building for the future, uh, but – the Vikings provide the best threat to hoist cool. a major sports All championship right. because I'm not buying wild stock either. All right. What, can,
4: what, should, what People are going to uh, gravitate toward the Bet the Board podcast and platforms. Uh, what are they going to find this weekend, Todd?
0: All four games uh, in great detail. We spent uh, a ton of time uh, digging into each of the matchups, trying to explore where there might be a little bit of value from a wagering perspective. Did isolate one best bet. Uh, that encourage folks to check out in a game that will kick off on Saturday. Also chatted with Dave Mason from BetOnline.ag, recapping exactly how the sports folks performed last weekend during, wild, during the wild card games and, of course, with the national championship, along with where they're seeing the action come in from the pros and the Joes uh, to kick off the divisional playoff.
4: Love it. All right, Todd. Thank great stuff, man.
0: Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Enjoy the games. I know you'll be watching late Sunday afternoon with bated breath up there in the Twin City. Yes, indeed.
4: With brown paper bags uh, over either over our heads or breathing into them, I'm not sure. We'll find out. So, Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast. Uh, he's been a, a regular on the show for a number of years. Man, he's, he's enthusiastic, enthusiastic about the purple. Yeah. He is. Let's all right. Let's come back. We're up against the clock here. Plenty more Vikings discussion. Plus, it is a game show Friday. We're live at Target Center. We will have a Vikings Saints themed game show later on sometime in the noon hour. It's Mackey and Judd.
3: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad.
2: They're running a strange program, y'all.
3: Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
2: You can join 1500 ESPN and the promo team in Maple Grove this afternoon. They'll be at the Menards in Maple Grove between 4 and 6 p.m. with your chance to win plenty of station prizes they'll have available. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Mackey, Judd, Target Center. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you, David. Thank you, David.
1: Some interesting uh, news tweeted by a guy by the name of Ben Volin of the Boston Globe early this morning. Okay, he tweets: "League source says Vikings plan to dress Sam Bradford on Sunday versus the Saints. He is not suited up, of course, since uh, Week Five when he made that start against the Bears and things went terribly." Yeah. Uh, ben also tweets: "Unclear if Teddy Bridgewater will also dress." I could see. Th- I could see this one. I mean, if you consider the fact that Teddy hmm. that Teddy played mop up in a game against Cincinnati and that, and that's all he's played in a year plus, and if you're going on the fact that Bradford's now practiced for a couple of weeks hmm. and Bradford played in week one against the Saints, and so if you're if you're weighing who knows the system best with what, what uh, Shermer brings to the table, and if you're basically saying, well it's a wash in how much they played by now, I would not be shocked if Bradford is your second quarterback and not Teddy.
4: Yeah, I think it it makes all the sense in the world. If we're talking about, for, well, if you if you get to the backup and you're talking about that level of rust, I don't expect a whole lot. Whether if let's say Keenum goes down with an injury, whether it's Bradford having not played in three months or Bridgewater having played for three plays or whatever it was uh, for the first time in two years, defense go win the game. But I, 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 if I had to just choose one of them, I'd choose Bradford. He's played more recently, and he's played at a high level more recently, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's probably a little bit more trustworthy in that situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't, I don't think I would dress a third quarterback. I know that's kind of risky, but what are the percent chances you get to your third quarterback? I'd rather have that extra guy. If if Terrence Newman is kind of a he's questionable, he's going to
1: start. I want that. I want an extra defensive player. That could be a problem too. I gotta yeah. I gotta be honest. Given given the fact that you'd be dressing the backup quarterback to replace Case if he got hurt, I think I would dress a third QB in this instance with the injury with Brad with Bradford coming off the knee problem. Making Bradford your backup makes sense. But if Keenum gets hurt and Bradford goes in that's yeah, pretty risky right there so i think in this instance if i go the the keenan bradford route i do dress a third qb he, here's the, uh, the, the the one thing too when
4: bradford came back from that injury the first time before the surgery in chicago yeah his issue wasn't rust or you know that he just became incapable he physically couldn't handle the, he could the load move. of being out there yes. so he just like would curl up in the fetal position so if you can promise me that Physically, he can get out there at least for a couple quarters and mm-hmm. throw the ball around. Mm-hmm. We've seen what he could do. I mean, hell, his his one game of the year was against the Saints, and he was outstanding. He was, it was maybe the best game of his career to that point. It was like 350 yards passing, and was it three touchdowns? I want to say. So that
1: that makes sense, though.
4: Yes, I could see that one. Yes. Uh, so all right, let's. We're up against the clock again here. Jamal Crawford was great earlier in the hour. Todd Furman. If you missed any of it, as always, you can find it on our show page at 1500ESPN.com or subscribe to our podcast. We'd love a five-star review on iTunes. Or if you don't think that highly of us, how about a four-star review? You know, we're all in a good mood. It's Vikings playoff season. Or three stars if you want. Uh, Whatever. Yeah, that works, too. (laughs) Just get on and do it. Let's come back. We led the show off with some really interesting information, some numbers historically, To show you why it's time, football gods. It's time to let the Vikings finally pay this thing off after more than a half century. We'll bring some numbers to the table. We'll talk more Vikings. It's a game show Friday. So all of that ahead in the noon hour. Mackie and Judd live at Target Center today.
0: The South Dakota Stories,
4: Volume 2. I could see beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air, the way it paints against skin and fills hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles, and the way the bison grazed, the way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back, because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.